Lord. The fear of the Lord, um, real fear of the Lord, a, a sense of the awesomeness of God. And uh, if you don't have that, your life is probably not going too well. If you have it, you're walking um, not perfectly, but things are better. Uh, just the fear of the Lord is such a wonderful thing to possess. Um, and, but it's not given to everybody. You've got to ask him. You know, the Lord says, come, you little children. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. You know, so you have to be taught in the fear of the Lord. You don't have the fear of the Lord because you grew up in a Christian home. Do you know that? That's not, that's not, you don't get the fear of the Lord because, oh, well, I grew up in a Christian home. I could, it could help. It could, God could choose to use that. But not necessarily. Um, not necessarily. Um, so the fear of the Lord. Um, Proverbs 1, 7. Right, Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So you can see there the opposite. Um, um, there's um, fools. Um, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the fool in, on Thursdays as we continue our parable of the ten virgins. And five were wise and five were what? Foolish. Um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning, the starting point of knowledge. So let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this um, for this wonderful day. Thank you for this moment. We commit this time in the word of God. Teach us your ways. Lord, we come to you. Say, come, O children. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. I pray that we would come as children, Lord. Humble. Knowing that we don't know anything apart from you showing it to us. And I just pray that you would teach us the fear of the Lord and that we would cultivate it. And that, Lord, the fear of the Lord would adorn all that we do. And it would be the starting point of not just knowledge, but the starting point of everything that we do. Everything, Lord, would, would flow out of the fear of the Lord. And so we ask you for this wonderful work of the Holy Spirit in us, we pray. Amen. The starting point of all true knowledge and understanding is the fear of the Lord, right? So then, so we began to ask two questions. What is the fear of the Lord, right? What is the fear of the Lord, right? You got to ask, you got to answer that question. And then also, why is the fear, why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of wisdom? Why is it the beginning of wisdom? All right, two questions, right? What is the fear of the Lord? And why is the fear of the Lord the beginning? So we began to ask, we already finished the first question. What is the fear of the Lord? And we're not, we spent several weeks on that. We're not going to review that other than just give you a, a simple definition. A simple definition. All right. Um, if you want to look at uh, the fear of the Lord, you can go to Exodus chapter 20, verse 18. And that kind of gives you uh, a, a real good um, understanding of what the fear of the Lord might be. But the fear of the Lord is a profound and overwhelming sense. Profound and overwhelming sense of a fear-filled awe and wonder of the greatness and the power of God. Um, so when the fear of the Lord, that this is this is the greatest thing in life, no, no doubt in my, in my opinion. The older I get in the Lord, um, the more I'm seeing how great the fear of the Lord is. It is really fantastic. When a person grasps the fear of God, it is sweet to the soul. It is, um, it is at the end of the day, the, the climax of all that is pleasure. So the fear of the Lord, I mean, there's so much we could say about the fear of the Lord, but the more you grasp the fear, you, it, it, it's a tree that you can eat from and delight in in all kinds of ways. So the fear of the Lord is just uniquely uh, uh, given by God in a way for our good that is so fantastic. 
And it's sad that so very few walk in the fear of the Lord. So they don't really know that kind of joy. You can't know it apart from the greatness of God. You cannot know joy and pleasure apart from the greatness of God. Amen? You cannot know it. Pleasure is not a feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's a, it's a knowledge of who God is. Amen? But then we began to ask the second question. Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? Right? Why is the fear of the Lord the beginning of knowledge? And we basically had to ask um, the question, what is knowledge? What do we mean? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what kind of knowledge? Is it, the, is it knowledge of baseball? Is the fear of the Lord the beginning of the knowledge of baseball? No, I, probably not. Um, you hit the ball, you run to first base. All right. Um, if you hit the ball over the wall, it's a home run. Do I need the fear of the Lord for that? To know, to know that? You don't need the fear of the Lord. Is the fear of the Lord the beginning of the knowledge of biology? So the question then is, what, what, what is this knowledge? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what kind of knowledge? All right? That's the question. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of some kind of knowledge. The question is, what kind of knowledge is the fear of the Lord the beginning of? All right? And so for that, we got to go to the Bible. Amen? We go to the Bible, and we came up, we're starting, um, we've been, been giving, the scriptures are going to define for us, the scripture's going to tell us what kind of knowledge God has in mind. And whatever that is, that's the kind of knowledge that begins with the fear of the Lord. So it's not just knowledge of science, knowledge of history, knowledge of literature. There's a lot of earthly knowledge. You don't need to fear the Lord for that. Now, now we're going to talk about later, later that that kind of knowledge puffs up. You can get proud and arrogant because you know so much biology, right? But the knowledge, the knowledge of the scriptures, you cannot get puffed up. The knowledge, this kind of knowledge is unique. Um, so let's look at qualities, characteristics of this knowledge. First of all, and this is all from the Bible. What kind of knowledge is the, uh, is the fear of the Lord the beginning of? Well, first of all, in the Bible... Biblical knowledge is intensely personal. Very personal, right? Uh, Psalm 51.3, this is all review. This is all review. I'm not going to go through this again. I know my transgressions. I know them. It's personal. Do you know the, do you know the difference between personal and impersonal? Right? Um, right? There are things that are personal. My family is personal. How I feel, how the things that I experience, that's personal to me. There are many things that I do that are not personal, right? So we, we, we have this um, experience of, of personalness in the true knowledge that God gives. So the first thing that we'd say is that biblical knowledge is personal. Second of all, biblical knowledge is moral. It's moral knowledge. The beginning, right, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of moral knowledge, personal knowledge, right? Right? Um, Genesis 2.9, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of what? Good and evil. 
All true knowledge in the Bible is moral. In other words, it holds you accountable. You, you're going to be held accountable to that knowledge. You're, not, you're going to have to give account to God of everything that you know. You're going to have to give account to God. There's no such thing as um, like uh, knowledge that is not moral or just um, morally neutral knowledge. There's no such thing in the Bible. All knowledge, you have to, you are, you're given a responsibility you, and you're going to have to cultivate it and you're going to be held account for that knowledge that God gives you. Did you know that you're going to have to give account to everything that you've known, you know, every sermon that you preach, that, that you've heard? We will give account for everything that we know. Thirdly, last week, last week, this is all review. In the Bible, biblical knowledge is experiential, not intellectual only. Right? It's experiential. Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, and he acquainted. That word acquainted, he had knowledge. It's the same word in the Hebrew kind of root word. Knowledge of grief. He experienced. Now, did Jesus have an intellectual knowledge of grief? Did he have an intellectual knowledge? Or did he have an experience of grief? He, had, he experienced grief. He felt it. He experienced it. That's how God, when God gives knowledge, it's something that you experience in the totality of who you are. All right, let's continue. We're, we're going to do one more today. Um, I'm just going to give you one once a week just to keep it simple. So biblical knowledge is intensely personal. It's moral, experiential, and fourthly for today, all right, biblical knowledge is intensely relational, all right? True knowledge is relational knowledge. If I know baseball or biology, is that relational knowledge? I just know that if you hit the ball over the fence, it's a home run. No, there's no, there's no relational uh, consequence of that. But in the Bible, knowledge is intensely relational. That, th this, is, this is why, that's why the Bible is so good, because a lot of people want to grow in the Lord, and they want to be better, right? Amen. How many of us, right? How many of us long to be better, right? Uh, even Paul, Paul says, I'm not, I haven't attained yet, but I press on. The Apostle Paul can say, I want to grow. I want to grow in the Lord. I want to, I want to, there's something in all of us that just wants to get better, right? I'm not content with who I am, right? In, in that sense, I'm content with what Christ has done. Amen. So we're not like depressed. But that does not mean that I don't want to improve, I want, I, that I don't want to increase more in Christ. I, wa I want Christ to increase more, and, and I want to decrease, right? I want that to be ever happening. So we, we, we all of us have this desire to improve, to get better, to overcome, right? But the question is, do you know how you do that? How do you do that? How do you get better? How do you improve, right? And it's amazing how many people don't search the scriptures to find out the scriptures is the only book in the world. There's no other book in the world that can truly give you the truth of how to change. 
Every other book is a rabbit trail into nothing. It may have some good ideas, but if it's not fueled by the word of God, if God is not in it, you're wasting your time. Amen? And so we want to grow. We want to increase in the Lord. And we want to increase in knowledge. Well, knowledge is relational. You're going to have to make adjustments. You're going to have to make adjustments with how you grow. Personal, moral, experiential, relational. Look at Genesis 4.1. Genesis 4.1. Now, Adam knew Eve. Adam knew Eve. Eve, for those of you who are who are young in the Lord, this does not mean that Adam went to the mall. Ooh, look at this chick. She's beautiful. Wow. Hey, what's your name? My name's Adam. What's your name? Eve. <laughs> that's, that's not what happened. <laughs> Adam knew Eve. And what we see now is that the word yada in the Hebrew is now being used in a relational context. We, we see that in Genesis, the tree of the right knowledge of good and evil. And now the same word is now imported into Genesis 4.1. But now this knowledge that was spoken of concerning the tree of good and evil, now this knowledge is now in a relational context. So that knowledge is relational. What, what, what do I mean by relation? What is relation? What is that? In general, when we say relational, it refers, right? It refers to something that involves two or more people, right? You cannot have a relationship with one. In order to have a relationship, there must be at least two present. And then there's a relationship between those two objects or two people, right? There's a relational. Relationship requires more than one. Does that make sense? So in our case, what particularly is in view is personal relationship. So that knowledge, Adam knew Eve, right? That how many people are involved? Two people are involved, Adam and Eve. It's not complicated. It's not complicated at all. Personal relationships refer to connections and interaction, bonds that individuals form with other people in their personal lives. Personal relationship involves relatively frequent shared experience of communication characterized by mutual understanding and emotional connection, trust, and support. There's a relationship, right? We, it, it, sometimes we, we have to define what that means. It's two people who mutually share the same experience in a frequent manner. There's a, there's a frequency. If you, if you have um, a person that you, you, you relate with once a year. Do you really have, do you have a relationship with that person? Not much, right? There, there, there's, there's this idea of, um, that requires um, something that is frequent. So, that, so to say that um, the biblical knowledge is relational is to say, is to acknowledge the importance of interconnectedness with other people. You're not gonna grow in knowledge just by yourself. God has forced the issue. God, ha God has designed this, right? God has forced the issue. 
that if you're going to grow, it's going to be, you're going to grow in relationship with others. And that's a non-negotiable with God. Totally non-negotiable. True knowledge is relational. There are many people, right? Some people, you know, some of us, we like people. We like to be with people. But some, some don't. Some like to be by themselves. You have to, you're going to have to, and it's, and it's okay to take a moment by yourself, but understand that true growth happens in relationship. True growth in knowledge is a relational thing. So the understanding of knowledge is what informs, right? This understanding is what informs the author of Genesis to write, Adam knew Eve. Why, why does the writer put it that way? He knew Eve. Why couldn't he say, and Adam hooked up. <laughs> Adam, like, what? No, knew Eve. He acquired knowledge of Eve. Does that make sense? There was something mutually shared in that moment. And what do you guys think in that moment is? That, that's the moment, obviously, of sexual, in, sexual intimacy. So that true knowledge is, is this, this intimate relationship. Where you acquire something. And it's the same, you know that this is the same way that God knows his people. Look at Exodus 33, 17, Exodus 33, 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing you have, that you have spoken, I will do for you have found favor in my sight. And I, what? I, what? I know you. Right? That's going to be very profound. That's going to be, does God know everybody this way? No. That's, that's the scary part, right? How, how, do we, how do we know that God doesn't know everybody this way? I think I have a scripture there, Sarah. Let's, go, let's just go straight to it. Matthew 7, 22, 23. Matthew 7, I think that's further down. Matthew 7, 22, 23. Just to show you the contrast. Right. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them what? That's the opposite of what he told Moses. I, I, I never knew you. Now you're going to now. How does God know everything? So how could he not know them? Should we just throw away the Bible and get rid of the Bible? Well, God, Bible just comes. God doesn't know me, so he doesn't know everything. Is that what it means? No. It's saying that God doesn't have certain kinds of knowledge. He knows everything, but he doesn't know everything in the same way. And he's going to tell people who have been in the church preaching, casting out devils, prophesying, he's going to tell them. And, and it's interesting because that's the way the Lord responds to them. He says, they respond to God by saying, um, hey, Lord, um, what do you say? Lord, um, we, uh, they will say to the Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Um, did we not cast out demons in your name? And so these people, Sarah, can you go to verse 22 for a minute? These people are appointing to what they've done in the past. Do you see this? These people come to God and say, wait a minute, um, Lord, we, we prophesied in the past. We prophesied in your name. 
in the past, we cast, they're, not tell, they're obviously not telling God what they're doing now. They're pointing to the past and saying, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Lord, we, may, we did many mighty works. And so the Lord is going to respond to them in the same way. He says, oh, verse 23, oh, I, in the past, I've never knew you. You did all that, and there was nothing. We have no relational history, zero, no history. We got nothing. When I look at my history, you ever got to uh, Chrome browser, and you look up history for your websites, and you can't find it? <laughs> I said, I knew I went to, I know I went to Walmart, you know, .com, you know, and you can't find nothing in your history? Well, God's going to search his Chrome browser. And he says, you're not in my, I never even visited you. I never went there. When I never had an engagement with you. Never. Is that sobering? That's sobering. So why are they, why are they casting out devils? Why, are they, why not just live it up? Why not just go to the bar and just get drunk? What, what, what's all this charade in the church? Total waste of time. The Lord doesn't even know them. Sobering. But let's go back to Exodus 33. This is, this is different. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing I have spoken, I will do for you. I have found favor, my, and I, I know you. <laughs> That's a whole different ballgame there. Amen? So we tend to think that knowledge is something that resides in the intellectual sphere, but knowledge is a it resides in the, in, in the relational sphere. You're going to grow in knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of the kind of knowledge that is relational. Does that make sense? That there's going to be relational knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that. Amen? The fear of the Lord is the one that's going to give us this kind of knowledge, right? Um, look at... Look at um, uh, look, look at Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. And I, I want to encourage you that this true knowledge is relationally and corporately conditioned. A lot of people don't put too much emphasis on the church. I go, they go to church whenever they want. They don't have any commitment. You know, I found two people this week, spoke to, that they, the Lord um, showed them that he has great ministries for them. But of course, I asked them, oh, wow, that's fantastic. What church do you go to? And guess what they told me? I don't go to church. I don't have a church. But yet, you think God has a great ministry for you. Impossible, right? Why? Because knowledge is relational. Any true knowledge that you have of God or, or of anything is going to be relationally conditioned. So that's why, that's why it's so important to be in the word of God so that you can have discernment. When I was young in the Lord and I was naive, I would have said, praise God, brother. He does have great things for you. Yes, I can see it now. A stadium. Yes. But now I'm older. I'm like, God, oh, over the years I've learned some things about God. And he really cares about you walking with another brother in commitment, right? And now I'm, then I ask the question, so what church do you go to? 
and that answer, that answer will tell me everything that I need to know. Doesn't mean that the Lord may not have a great ministry for them. What I'm saying is that they're losing something so valuable and foundational in, in securing that vision, and that is walk in relationship with my people. Love one another. Commit yourself to them. Amen? Look at Ephesians. And, I, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and what? The knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, right? Um, too many people are just children, not understanding how God has orchestrated and designed the body. And we're going to talk, we're going to really come back to this when we talk about the design of the church. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro. How many people are tossed to and fro because they really don't understand the centrality of the body of Christ? They've never understood it. They, they just think, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I have a relationship with him. What else do I want? I'm just going to, you know, if I, whatever church I go to, it doesn't really matter my relationship. Is, but they say, no, it does matter. It absolutely does matter, your relationship with the body of Christ, because the, it is the body of Christ that God is building up. Amen? By the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful skins, rather speaking the truth in love, does, does Paul mean speak the truth to yourself in love? Is that what he means? What, what's implicit when he says speak the truth in love? You're speaking to others. The love part, right, in love automatically introduces a relational context. In love, you can't do that, right? It's like, Right? You speak the truth in love, right? One to another. Speak the truth in love. Rather, speak the truth in love. We are to what? We grow up. How do we grow up? When we what? Speak in love to others. We grow up. That means if you're not speaking the truth to one another, are you growing up? Not according to the Bible. Not according to the scriptures. The scripture says you got to speak the truth in love, and then you begin to grow. Right? We got we to get over ourselves. We got to get rid of our, our timidity. Oh, I'm afraid. I'm a, right? We got to get over that and speak, learn to say, speak the truth in love. Speak it little by little. You don't have to be, you don't, have a, you don't need to have a sermon of 30. Listen, brother, I'm going to speak the truth in love. Give me 40 minutes. <laughs> no, it could just be. A moment. It could just be a word. It could just be. But you're, 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 you're cultivating the understanding of what the scripture tells you. If you want to grow, if you don't really care about your spiritual life, then, well, that's a different story, right? But if you want to grow in the Lord, speak the truth in love to one another. Speak it. Speak it. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. It's relational. You're going to grow in relationship with one another. Amen. And he goes on, from whom the whole body joined and held together. How's the body held? Well, they're joined and held together. They're held together by every joint which is equipped. 
when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you see that? How the, how the scriptures the scriptures really inform how we grow in with the Lord. Amen? So if you stop attending a local church, guess what? What do you stop doing? You stop growing. Just remember that. Does it not? No, we, none of us have guaranteed that we can even, I mean, what, if, what happened if we came and meet? There are conditions where there are countries where you came and meet, right? And God provides supernaturally. So we, we praise God that we're able to meet. But the truth of the matter is that when given the opportunity and we neglect that opportunity, your spiritual growth stops. We're just God has so conditioned the body that it it grows and it builds itself up in love. The body builds itself up in love. So that's why I'm here often. Why am I here often? Because it's my job? No, because I want to grow in the Lord. I want to grow. I, I, I need you. I need you for my growth. I can't do this by my own self. If I was to step back from you, trust me, all the carnal desires and all the worldly attractions, guess what? It starts to like, ooh, well, right? I need you. You need me. We need each other. It's relational. We want to grow in knowledge, right? So we need each other. I, I just, I've come to the point where I just accept it and embrace that. Amen? Look at Ephesians. Ephesians um, 2.19. We're almost, we're almost going to wrap it. And, um, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together. God is joining these people together, and he does that on several levels. He's, God is doing that universally, spiritually, joining people, right? right? In Christ, we're joined together in Christ. But don't just say, but then he's also doing that locally in, an abs, in, in, a, in a practical way. That's what the local church is. The local church is a local expression of the body of Christ. Amen. It's not, just, it's not just, well, we're just joined together with all the believers in the whole world. Yes, but in the local church, there's a, there's a practical uh, earthly manifestation of that body in a, in, at the local church. And he goes on, built on the foundations um, in 21, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together. How are you being built? How? How are you being built? Together. I mean, that's not hard to understand that you, God builds you together with others. It's relational. You grow in knowledge relationally. It's built together. It's not, not, not complicated. So I, I think this could, um, for, for some of you, this could change. This could be a real life-changing moment. We say, you know what? I'm just going to commit my life to the local church. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to speak the truth in love. I want, I want to be built together. I'll, and once we're part of that, God begins to do a good work. Being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here's what beautifully happens. As God unites us and we begin to have a heart of unity and we are being built together, guess who comes? The Spirit of God begins to, he's creating a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. And now we are indwelled by the spirit individually. Yes. Right. But there is a manifestation, a temple manifestation of the presence of God that can only happen corporately. 
right? That can only happen, right, um, as we come together. And there's a corporate manifest. That's the temple. Amen? And so, so let, let's commit ourselves to that. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge that is intensely relational. Amen? And let me, let me read 2 Peter 3.18 to, to close. 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and what? Knowledge of the Bible. No? Of what? So a person. A person. It's a person. You grow in the knowledge of a person. Not, Bible's important, but it's not a book. It's a person. And to the degree that the Bible is an expression of that per- per- person, that's where we can grow. But if the Bible is just a book, we need to grow in the knowledge of a person. That's the only way to grow in knowledge. It's relational. We grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the climax of the knowledge. The relational knowledge finds its climax in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that we can know, we, we want to grow. Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? In the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand. And let's, uh, let's sing a song. I'm, gonna, I'm just giving an opportunity. Falling in love with Jesus. Can we sing that song, Falling in Love with Jesus? I just want to uh, make up, you know, are, is, are you growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? True knowledge finds its climax in the knowledge of a person, that person being Christ. And if you find yourself this morning, my love, my, my knowledge of Christ, my love of Christ is stagnant. I want to just give you an opportunity to just ask the Lord today. Just ask him to revive and to renew and to restore um, this greater love, greater knowledge.